I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. In Ireland, we love a good story. And I'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in Dublin. In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here. Is that us? Are we in it now? Yeah. That's basically it, straight in after about 45 minutes of trying to fucking figure out how a computer works. Um, yeah, we're here. Appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Happy to be here. Um, Found it. Finally, Russ, yeah. you, you were the man who, who brought Connor here. How did that come about? Um, so in, in my search for meaning and well-being, uh, I decided to go do open mics. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, on a, on a Monday evening, and then just kind of heard this man singing, and I was kind of captivated by your uh, by your sultry tones and uh, your country country sound, and uh, it was really really nice. Thanks. Yeah, I was yeah, I haven't been to an open mic in a while, but it's a great one. Mm. The World's End is that what it's called? The International Bar. Oh, the International yeah. Bar. It's okay. uh, Circle Sessions. Circle Sessions. That's it. Yeah, Shout out so to the Circle Sessions. Ah, it was really nice. It's a great spot. It's a great spot. So this is an open mic, as in music or anything, comedy. It's open. Okay. Mic. Really, just open. Yeah. There's been some great comedians. I went. I think I've been three times since I've been in Dublin. Um, there been some great comedians have shown up. There's also been some like you know. Comedians working on their material, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of great too. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for the comedians, man. That's that big shit's time, so intense, so much, so much balls to do that. Like, yeah, oh, big time, and it's like, it's really the. I was just chatting to Melanie about this. Um, Melanie, we, we were we released an EP together. We were in the UK playing shows there that last week, and uh, everything in stand up is in songs. You know, it's like all of the best parts of songwriting is in stand up. Mm. I think. There's no fluff. There's no fucking shit oohs and ya yeah choruses to like carry you through for 30 seconds. That's true. It's just got to be good and it's got to yeah. be really engaging and captivating. It's got to be good lines. And uh, yeah, I feel like songwriting, when it's really good, is, is the same. You know? yeah. 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 There's usually like a, a vision that you have. You, you stick to that theme, you stick to that vision, you don't kind of waver from it. 
and the uh, worst thing is the songs that go on too long especially from like I've listened to bands that are kind of new but they feel like they need they deserve a 10 minute song that's really ambient and you're just like mm, uh, just deliver pop move on uh, sometimes it can be a little bit too much if there's a Good, oh yeah, good writing too. I mean, I have time for ambient stuff. I, I, I don't, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, Corey, come down too heavy on it. But yeah, I, I, for me anyway, what draws me to songs, and I think the artist that I really love, it's, it's most often it's about like the the opening lines of like the second verse or some shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, I really like the, the the mechanics of the writing in between the choruses. The choruses always feel they're like challenge. They're tough. You know, they feel like they're like placeholders. They need to be there. They serve a purpose, but really like the. The, the nuts and bolts of the songs are in, in the verses. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the, like, even you guys can both speak to this because you both perform in front of people. Um, but I guess the, the mindset before performing, um, I imagine, like, whatever you're going to play, you've practiced a lot. Mm. You, I imagine you know exactly what you're going to do. How much of your mindset is focusing on, I don't want to fuck this up, or is it just concentrating on what you actually have to do, like without kind of using the cliche of kind of being in the zone and right. not just there's nobody there and it's just me in the song or it's me in the poem or or whatever it might be. Right. You know, it's like I think that um, so I've been, I've been in, for context, the last month I've been in the UK playing shows and the first handful I was terrified before yeah. I played. It, it, you definitely can get warmed into it. But um, it's actually interesting, like, I think just generally when I was younger, when I was like 20, 19, um, I think I was just like, I felt like I was invincible. I just felt so confident to get up and do it. And that has completely changed in the last year. Okay. Two years, maybe, yeah, but year and a half. I guess like (laughs) impending sense of doom and dread before I play, which is kind of crazy because, you know, well, maybe you just have more self-awareness the older you get. and you, you, Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it is. But I've definitely been dealing with that more and more. And then, uh, interesting on this tour, to start to go towards the end. I start to feel comfortable. But yeah, like I just needed to be alone. I was like kind of panicked and f- worried. It's like, how the fuck am I going to do this? I think I, I, I can speak to that as well. I think even no matter what you're doing, as you get older, things, at least in your head, mm. get more important. Right? Yeah. Or, or it kind of like, oh, I'm actually doing this. The misplaced arrogance of youth hopefully yeah. leaves. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, ex- well, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you, you might go, like when you're younger, it's kind of like, I'm doing this, I'm giving it a go. Nobody really cares what I'm doing. Right. And then when you get a little bit older, so, oh, you're, you're playing music? Or, or you're, sure. you're really doing that? Sure. Or else it's like, yeah, I think also it's like the first time you go and it's just such a blur of activity and excitement the first time you maybe you get asked to open for a tour and you're like fuck mm. I'm in DC or something or you're in some city you've never been to and you're just playing and it's exciting and it's awesome and then after a little while I think of doing it more and more it's like fuck I need to like deliver like, I, I, it's like you're like aware of your surroundings yes. it becomes yeah less uh, yeah sort of awe inspiring which is, is still and it's a privilege to do it it is and I shouldn't go, yeah I'm not complaining I'm really not complaining <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, um, I guess, the more you get used to it, the more you actually understand. Wow, I'm I'm at this location. If the first time you do something, you could it could be out in Madison Square Garden. You're like, wow, this is kind of crazy. And then at the end of the day, you never play there again, and you're just like, oh, I actually don't think I appreciated how difficult it can be. If sometimes you get lucky, 
and you keep trying to find that and you're like oh maybe maybe i can uh, reach the same level of you know enjoyment that i got out of that first time mm. if I, I uh, maybe i didn't explain it too well it's kind of you get asked when you're young you have so much potential you might get a job let's say mm-hmm. and that job might be the best thing ever and then you kind of don't like it anymore so you you leave that and you try and find another job and you're like oh shit, actually, that was probably the best thing that I could have ever gotten when I started off. Now that I've left it and I'm coming back to it, I don't have that same uh, blissful ignorance mm. to go and attempt to try and get that high, high of a job right, or right. that big of a, a goal. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So doing it more often just becomes like, oh, actually, I'm, I'm working towards the thing that I always wanted to get towards again by hard work not random chance right right and that right. becomes a little bit more uh, kind of pressurizing it becomes pressurizing for sure yeah it does it does it definitely does and I think also um, <clears throat> yeah I think that this has been an interesting I mean obviously COVID was obviously a period of you know great quiet in, in venues and that was fine because it was like we were all out of it mm-hmm. but um, yeah I think coming back for me you know it was like I've sort of realized in this year I've been lucky. I've been fairly busy, but I've also been able to sort of have a better bird's eye view on where people's careers are going. And like, I don't know, just trying to like think about trying to maybe somehow get to the next step, but also maybe feeling a little bit like I've been sort of st- stuck at this certain level now for a yeah. while. So I've been trying to, I think, and that's an internal monologue, which can then put a lot of pressure on yeah, you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, kind of thing, thinking you because where you are you need to achieve more you need to push on right right break through instead of being kind of happy at this moment and then it might naturally come anyways because you are comfortable in that right right but it's like yeah it was just like a great my friend brad armstrong in the state i was talking to him about this recently and uh he just said he was like i forget where he got this line from it's definitely not his but it was uh we have the rights to the labor not the fruits of it mm. which i think mm. is just like a really i mean it's like it's such a, a possible place to really truly arrive at as a life's journey to try and get there but um yeah yeah it's almost like, like the kind of cliche of focusing on the process rather than yeah the yeah results. exactly and I, I've, been, I've been trying to just it's just to alleviate myself of some of the pressure of playing which is just as i said it's been surprisingly crippling at times mm. i've been having a tough time with it but um do you think doing more is like stops you from overthinking it that if you said oh i'll have a gig now and i'll have a gig in, maybe in the future do you find just doing it doing that tour yeah it just keeps you so focused on it that it you does don't have any time to think it does it does definitely 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 yeah yeah just trying to keep the, the wheels rolling is always the, the plan so why are you in if you were touring in the uk why are you in dublin i moved here yeah i or, moved here uh to do more music <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and i i did a couple of shows in dublin this year um i was opening for a band called the fleece brothers um a u.s band I didn't I haven't actually played that many shows in Ireland yet. I, I, for some reason, I keep on getting asked to go and do things in the UK, which is fine. <laughs> it's great. I love playing over there. Um, and yeah, so but mum's Irish, and um, you know, I had uh, I had access to an Irish passport, and I got some really good friends in Dublin, um, who are sort of in the folk music world, and I came and visited them in 2021, and was like. Just it was like this whirlwind week, long weekend trip of seeing Laura and Claire. They're in a great band called Lemoncello, and um, 
just getting shown around Dublin, all these different bands, all this, there's so much happening, I feel like, in Dublin. I'd sort of been aware of it uh, from the States, just watching all these bands uh, sort of popping through. And yeah, I was just like, feel like I need to pull the trigger. I've been in upstate New York for 10 years, and um, it's great, but I also definitely was starting to feel a little stagnant. Mm. Um, so I made the leap in April. Tell me a little <clears> bit <throat> about how you, well, like at what point in your life did, I guess, get really into music or start playing music where did this uh, journey of becoming a musician begin mm. well um i wasn't allowed to listen to music as a kid i was like I was brought oh, up shit. into quite like a strict uh, it was a cult effectively <laughs> uh, i won't go into too much detail about it but it was a it was a strange little school and uh, i went there for six years in england and uh, yeah, modern music i was allowed to listen to classical I wasn't listening to modern music and it was totally off the table. And um, eventually convinced my parents to get me acoustic when I was like 15 that to get it cleared by the headmaster. And that was okay. I had an acoustic guitar. And like that just became like my escape from that school. And mm. I sort of just like would just hide my way self away and just fucking learn Beatles songs. And when did you when you got that acoustic, did that like just blow your mind then? It like, kind of did. It yeah. definitely consumed me. Yeah, I had a great teacher. There was one great teacher there as well. Um he was a woodboard teacher and he he this is so strange. He was like Luthier, so he actually built guitars. That was oh. what he was trained to do before he yeah. joined the school. And uh, he was sort of like would bend the rules and like would show, introduce me to like some rock and roll bands on the radio sometimes when I did his workshop. I built a guitar with him. Right. So he was like this like kind of cool alternative guy there who was like sort of feeding me. He could see that I was thirsty for music and yeah. he would like sort of feed me stuff. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, he was a good, he was a good man. Mm. And uh, yeah, but then when I went, so I left, I went to the States at 18 and uh, then I really just sort of threw myself into it. And like there's an amazing music scene, like upstate New York, the, the folk scene. It's the world of like Pete Seeger and um, I just listened to Chris Smith there recently. Like just all these sort of like uh, folk artists who just you know such a rich culture up there. Also Woodstock, of course, you know is yeah. there. Yeah. What folk do you think is is it because of the storytelling behind folk and maybe a little bit more of the sincerity in in the music? I think uh, yeah, you know yeah. I think that for, for me it was because I I wasn't in a position where I could get a band together I just moved to a new country and I was just playing I was working on a farm mm. and I was just playing guitar so it was an obvious um, thing to just like focus on finger picking yeah um, and yeah I think that uh, you know yeah it, there was like, they always call it a revival a folk revival but it never really dies it's uh, just like it, it goes through the cycle yeah. of popularity and uh, but I guess 2000 it would be like 2012 so yeah there was definitely like we were in the world of Mumford and Sons was happening and <laughs> yeah. Tallest Man on Earth like it was just folk music was everywhere and then but then you know so there was that and I was aware of that but then also yeah getting to Upstate and uh, I got really into Pete Seeger like he was just a huge mm. uh, wealth of like American songs I just loved you know mm. um and then I was busking in the city in New York. And so then, therefore, of course, I started listening to Dylan. And, you know, yeah. it just, yeah, yeah. I did nothing. There was no major curveballs. <laughs> I arrived with the guitar and just like kind of threw myself You fell it. in love with it. And yeah, yeah. kind of grew from there. Totally. Like, just so I, un I understand it, like, Wales, you were in school in the UK, but pre that school, were you also living in the UK or you, you were sent from the States to that school? Oh, no. Oh, so I left Scotland when I was 12. Scotland? And, yeah, I grew up in Edinburgh. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, then, we, then we went to the school in the southwest of England for six years. Um, but I wasn't in it for six years. I think I was there 
four and a half, five, maybe five. And then I went to a regular high school. Finally convinced my parents. We all left as a family. We, got to like, we couldn't let one of the kids leave. My parents were both working at the school. So mm. to take us out, they would lose their jobs. Wow. So they had to like find out, get themselves financially ready to like extract themselves and get new jobs lined up. So we couldn't really leave. Um, but yeah, I was there for five years. And then after all that, I was like, fuck. I'm dipping. <laughs> I'm dipping out for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So this has been a bit of a return, which has been good. I mean, you had that, uh, you went to America, you went up to upstate New York. You had this newfound freedom and individuality. Like, what, what was the thing that you were looking forward to the most? Forward to or for? Look, any, any both. Um, I think I was probably looking for, I think I had such a, I had such a sheltered, upbringing um, I was just like so not privy to so many things that my peers knew I think yeah. I, I actually moved to a very shell like another community in upstate New York which is like a Waldorf community um, which is also super sheltered and quite religious and it was like it was actually kind of an interesting stepping stone I think because I was suddenly back in an environment where I didn't have the sort of um, you know the strict rule and governance of the school I was in previously but it was definitely a soft landing of like a halfway point of kind of integrating back into figuring out how to be an adult in the, yeah, in the world. Yeah, Cause my parents, sure, for they gave a lot, but that, that school definitely sort of, I think, sheltered you um, pretty heavily. So it was interesting. Yeah, the place I, the place I went to in the States was, uh, was a, yeah, an intentional community. No one got paid. And, uh, <laughs> no, that's a nice phrase, an intentional community. Intentional community. I've never heard that before. Yeah, yeah, that's what they call it. That's, that's what it says in the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> we plan to be here, yeah. We're yeah, meant to be yeah. here. <laughs> you can leave whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Hotel California, Joby. Yeah, wow, well, what, what an upbringing. Like, very, very uh, intense in a way, I imagine, for you. And then coming, as you say, leaving that community... And going into like what was a normal high school, I can only imagine it was a huge oh, shock. It was fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the funny thing was because that school was the only school um in the UK that did no exams. Right. So there was I don't know how uh, Graham, his name was Graham, the, the guy who started it. Um I don't really know how he managed to uh, get that status for the school, but um no exams. No exams. He managed to sort of convince Ofsted, which is like the governing yeah. body. You know, is Ofsted in Ireland? Uh, no. It is Ofsted, isn't it? No idea. And yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, a governing body of schooling and academia. Okay. Um, but anyway, he basically managed to convince them that these kids from his school were going to do great and get into university without any of the regular exams, which is maybe on face value is a nice idea. But the reality of it was was that a lot of people fucking struggled majorly and mm. didn't have any skills, like, wow. weren't equipped with any skills to actually like, succeed in uh, yeah. higher education. Aimless learning, like you know, you don't really have anything to focus. Yeah, on and uh, you know, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. The, the, let's just say the high school was hardly equipped with um, qualified professionals mm. for the for the roles that they were fulfilling. You know. Um, so a lot of people struggled. And it's not to say everyone, but like a vast majority, I would say, struggled. Um, the last people who left early. I was definitely in the category who, uh, yeah, when I came out, I got put into like a big state school. And I was like, I barely could turn a computer on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what years were you growing up in school? Like? Uh, that would have been like 2000. And, so I'm 28. So that would have been 2012. I graduated high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Same as myself. Oh, is it? Okay. I'm 29. So okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same milk. 
Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I mean, I, I'm struggling and I had all that shit. Like, you know, I was, I don't know, I got internet when I was about 13, 14 or something like that, trying to figure out how to download, like, get on LimeWire, play MIDI clip games. That's all my, my mind was, like, you know, obsessed by. I don't know how I could have been if, if I was kind of introduced to Or even, yeah, just video games yeah. and stuff like that. When when you're younger, they're, they're a big part of it. But I, I can't even, like, imagine if you were, like, I was brought up doing exams were tests that then became more serious exams right like just constantly yeah yeah, yeah. and then if you haven't done any of those and then you have to go and sit in an exam i can only imagine what you were like what the hell is this why why is everybody taking this so seriously the other thing was too is that actually and i forgot to say is what was particularly challenging was that you know because i entered the state school system late and the the state system was like how the fuck do we deal with these kids you know yeah it's like hippie kids who like don't know know anything about knitting (laughs) (laughs) uh I didn't know what to do with it. And I was a little older. Um, I had to do my GCSEs, I think, and then my A-levels. That's what it goes, GCSEs, A-levels. And um, so they sat me, basically, with all the kids who'd failed their GCSEs. So I was a year older, but so I was, but they'd failed. You know, there was a broad spectrum of why people didn't pass their first round of GCSEs. But, like, in fairness, <laughs> a lot of it was just, like, kind of kids who were maybe from a chaotic background who were, like, maybe getting into drugs or disruptive in class. It wasn't, like... Um, studious work environment it was like mm. kind of a fucking crazy carnage it was like kind of carnage you know and there, there would be yeah. some older people who were like going back and being like i'm you know gonna maybe in their 20s they seemed old at the time but maybe they were in their 20s or, you know 21 or something um but yeah there was a lot of kids it was fucking mental <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a really interesting year i actually you know i have fond memories of it though to be fair because uh just like found a group of guys who like music there was a studio on the campus of the school and we just we're like, let's play, let's make a rock and roll band and like play house parties. <laughs> right, you know, that was fun. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't learn much, but I definitely had fun. <laughs> you came out of um, high school and then you were, when you were coming out of high school, you were in upstate New York or? No, no, that, that was I, I came out of high school, uh, it must have been like July and then August 2012, I went to New York. Okay. Yeah, and I was really, the idea was to go for a year and, uh, you know, see, see how it goes, but. You went without your parents? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, so you yeah, moved yeah. over by yourself. Yeah, yeah. To um, the intentional community. To an intentional community. community. <laughs> uh, so break that down, actually, for me, because what is an intentional community? All right, let's go. We're going there. We're going there. Okay. <laughs> Seatbelts on. Um, but this is a Waldorf. So this is a Camp Hill community. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, Rudolf Steiner. Uh, or, okay, so Rudolf Steiner was a German philosopher from... Uh, the 50s, 40s, and 30s. I think he died in the 50s, actually. Um, but yeah, he started, he basically created an education program in Germany that was adopted by um, work, like factories. It was like tobacco factory that first adopted it. And he had basically, come, yeah, it's quite religious, and I'm definitely summarizing massively. And maybe yeah. there'll be someone who's listening who's a Steiner, a Steiner head, and we'll be screaming at the computer right now. <laughs> but uh, go over, re- click on the Wikipedia page. Um, he was a philosopher. He touched on many, many things. A lot of it is pretty fucking out there. Um, he had ideas for farming, education. And then one of the things that he was thinking and writing about with a guy called Carl Koenig was um, how to, you know, how to create an environment for young adults with special needs, or just not even young adults, just people with special needs, mm-hmm. so that they can live a fulfilling life. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he was also in the time he was in Germany, euthanasia was happening under the Nazis. You know, this is so yeah. he, he was, and he he moved to Switzerland uh, during the Nazi 
uh, the Third Reich, and he started at made a camp in Switzerland to sort of escape. But um, one of his sort of disciples, this guy called Karl Koenig, um, moved to Aberdeen, and he started this community, which was um, he kind of wanted to create like a, a new village where there'd be a bakery, there'd be a farm, there'd be a garden, it'd be completely self-sustaining. Um, there'd be families who live there, but then families who would live there would also have you know, people with special needs living in the house and they'd be treated as family. Okay. Um, so it was like super idealistic, mm. utopian sort of mm. uh, movement that started originally in Scotland. But it's since gone all over Europe. Um, it's very big in Europe. It's very big in Germany, mm. naturally. Um, it kind of got closed down in the UK a little bit recently. There's a lot of government restrictions. Um, but in America, so yeah, there's no, obviously ch- separation of church and state. Yeah. And so the... You know, died in the wool Steiner fans yeah. uh, can fucking go and live their 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 Steiner life uh, in these Camp Hill communities in America, where it's like it's very much untouched from what the original conception of it was for, of Carl Koenig. Okay. Whereas in the UK, as I said, um, there's been a lot of government. Not, there's been a lot of uh, regulations that have come in through the government. Like, this is is this a place of education or is this uh, a living situation? And like there needs to be a separation. So this sort of utopian idea has just sort of been red taped off okay. in the UK. So a lot of people started coming over from the UK to move to these communities in America. And there's some of them are big, like mm. like a whole vat. You know, there's like one called Copake, which is. Um, must be about thirty to forty houses on it. And there's like four hundred, five hundred people, and um, yeah, huge, huge community that's just like completely self isolated. When you say self isolated, um, like, are you like I, I want to use the like, are you allowed to communicate oh, with? Sorry, yeah, that that sounds dramatic. It's not completely self isolated, but um, oh, how, how should I put this? It's off the grid, self sufficient. Yeah, they're trying to be off the grid. You know, there's like the one I was at. I've, install a big solar system, mm-hmm. solar power system. So they're, they're trying as hard as they can to get off the grid. Um, when um, when COVID hit, I'd say it'd be the best place they could have possibly been because <laughs> they had the farm and the gardens. Um, but no, people interact with that. It's like a community, of course, um, grocery shopping and all these things. But then like this, the schooling, the, lots of the kids will go to the Steiner school, which is often quite close by. So it's just like this like small world of Steiner. It's just like very different. It's not America. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like its own sort of yeah. thing, um, its own bubble. Um, but of course, there's interaction with the outside community. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's definitely its own thing. And actually, we were just talking about accents recently. Yeah. Some of the accents are wild, you know. Yeah. There's like such a mix of like German, like strange German-American English mixes. It's like it's called the Camp Hill accent. Okay, and it's nice, like, nice. it's its own thing. <laughs> like Don Martin's vineyard. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. Nice. And then the, you were in the Steiner community you, and then you were kind of coming into New York uh, while you were living there or did you just decide to move into New York after a while? Oh, no. Well, I, well the thing is I actually stayed in, I stayed in upstate. I never moved to the city. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I attempted, attempted a fair few times. I've, I came close to it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Upstate New York is a really magical spot, you know, it's... Um, it's obviously it's in the mountains. It's beautiful. It's in the Catskills is where I was at. I say upstate, the Hudson Valley. I was in like Catskill, but um, a lot of influence from the city, from New York. Um, a lot of artsy people have moved up there, which has had its own problems, but also you know makes this space really nice. And there's like a lot of studios and a lot of venues and nice restaurants and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a really it's a really thriving little community. It's sort of like it, in fact, the town that I was in. 
um, seven minutes away, there was the New York Times put a, an article out, and it's like during COVID, more people moved to Hudson, New York, than any other city in America. Wow. Per capita, so like it fucking exploded. It was like a little intense. Like house prices went crazy. Um, yeah, it's 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 the countryside, but it's also it's like everybody in New York kind of goes there for the weekend. You know what I mean? They need a, they need a place to decompress. Yeah, exactly, know? exactly. Is there any kind of thing like looking back on on the education that you've had um, and comparing yourself to to other people who went through a regular kind of high school, secondary school system, or whatever it might be? Do you see yourself as having any, like you said, okay, it was difficult for you with exams and stuff like that, but do you see yourself as having any advantage over people who went to to other systems? Did you mm. learn anything there that you see actually, okay, all in all, this wasn't great, but sure, sure, this sure. has st- stood me in good stead? Yeah, I think there's been, yeah, I chatted to a friend of mine recently about this, actually. We were saying about, like, yeah, some of the things we sort of learned from that period. And um, he, 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 he was saying that, like, uh, quite immediately having sort of like which is maybe not always positive but it can be in some some situations um this guy graham who had was very overpowering and was like he called himself the big white chief you know right. and he wore a white suit oh my God. <laughs> yeah oh he was, my it was a lot it was a lot it was Colonel. a lot yeah i know it was, it was it was a lot and i think after that i've just always had a bit of an authority problem like i'm like always like super wary i'm also like yeah, i think just anybody who puts himself in a position um where they're sort of like trying to be a group leader or like have some ingenious idea and trying to get people to rally around them, like that's a big red flag for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, you kind of, I can totally imagine. That. Yeah, yeah. So that's been that's been an interesting one. Uh, so yeah, my sister, for example, she, her, she was. I was chatting to her about this not so long ago as well, and like her form of rebellion, because I think that's what ultimately everyone had their own form of rebellion. For me, it was almost playing music, you know, because that was yeah. like not allowed. And um, for her, it was like. She's she's getting her PhD right now. She left earlier, and she just was like, "I'm going to become a scientist." And she's getting her PhD in marine biology. But that was like her sort of form of rebellion. She was yeah. saying, "He's like, how do, how do I?" It was so so much. It was a good rebellion. Like, it was a great <laughs> rebellion. It was like, <laughs> it was healthy. Why didn't I think of that? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so it was music, though. Oh really. yeah, sure. Like uh, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a creative process. Something that you can do for your, for the rest of your life if you want. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, oh yeah. If it can keep you going. I can imagine. So the reason I asked you about the, did you have any contact? Um, I I know that my, when I met her maybe once or twice in my life, my mother's sister, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even necessarily call her my, my aunt. I, 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 you know, I have a problem with that because how can you call someone your aunt when you've met them twice in your life? Yeah. But she, I don't know all of the story. Um, but she went into some type of, of cult. I think the story is she kind of fell in love with someone. They started, and actually, my mother was English, so it, it was started in the UK, but they also had a base in Ireland. Okay. So I remember it was in the Wicklow Mountains somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I remember the whole story of, you know, my grandfather was quite upset. Um, and then my, he asked my dad to go into the cult and take her out. He took her out, but then eventually. She, she wanted to go back, and then she moved to Canada with this group. Oh, she has been there since. Yeah. And the only contact that we'd have um, is a Christmas card every year, and it would just say, uh, you know, love from from my aunt, mm. um, and that's it. Yeah. 
Well, you know, the world's a scary place, and sometimes being in a group where you sort of all agree that you're, you know, that this is a safe space, and actually we're going to sort of alienate ourselves from everyone else, can actually feel very secure, and it can give people a sense of meaning. Well, that's the other side of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really destructive <laughs> for lots of people in your life, and it can be very destructive for kids. Yeah, but it's like something I've also just been like trying to wrap my head around more and more, and like. Why, why was that a part of my upbringing? And like, what were my parents searching for in that? And then life is scary. You know? yeah. The outside world is tough and it's, it's, it could be really shit to live in. You know? And following people, following someone who's massively charismatic and says that he's, you know, just follow me, we'll be fine. Like, that's fucking a whole load off my shoulders it's, I now no longer have to think about, you know? It's very exciting. Uh, it's yeah. uh, in, in that sense of someone who's charismatic who can give you that energy of, having the answers or mm-hmm. you know um, been reading re- recently about you know the kind of the happiness gap is which you know basically or the idea of mm, I'll do it tomorrow when I feel better for example that idea of I can't do it now but tomorrow I will be able to do it so there's that gap between you today and you tomorrow you'll, you'll be better tomorrow right mm-hmm. kind of we always have that idea whether it might be like I'll pay that bill tomorrow because I'll be more in the mood for paying that bill tomorrow. <laughs> I'm so when, guilty of that. Yeah, oh my god! Yeah. But we all know that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So there's, there's that gap, or you can call it a happiness gap, or you can call it any type of gap. But there's this kind of um, idea of who you are now versus who you ultimately want to be, or who you ultimately see yourself as being. Mm. Um, and within that is where all of the kind of struggle comes from. So obviously, if you can just see yourself as enough now, and this is fine, then a lot of those problems actually kind of disappear. But if everybody in in the world has this idea of this kind of gap, I think, and then when someone comes in and is very charismatic and says to, to, says to someone, like, you don't need to worry about any of that anymore. Yeah. That's... Yeah, yeah. I am the solution to that yeah, yeah it's not multiple solutions it's you know it's no it's just me yeah I just follow what i, I know say. all i need is all i need is devotion yeah yeah and everyone's in it together yeah yeah so that's another thing about those groups it's not just you going on your own it's no no there's other people there right you can share your experiences with them we're all going to go through this together safety numbers for sure yeah for sure does yeah. your influence uh, does like does that all whole part of your life how does that influence your music uh, in your writing I try not to let it influence it too much okay, honestly yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. I, in fear of just sounding like a, a, a whiny soft boy oh, yeah, <laughs> but um, I don't know I guess how does that, I don't know I, I've never really thought of that to be honest does it I feel like um, yeah not directly mm-hmm. I'm sure it does in some it's ways it's like a subject matter but not subject matter no yeah. no, no it, it wouldn't really be um, I find I I Actually, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't listen to like a huge amount of music anymore. I used to listen to loads of music, and I think now I'm like really into like I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to stories about people mm-hmm. and human interaction and just like human stories. Like I think that's me too. You know, I feel like and, and comedy, stand up, com- yeah. listening to stand up is like for me so much more inspiring mm-hmm. often than listening to a song. You know. It's, mm. um, so yeah, I think I think that like listening to cult podcasts, which I do a lot. <laughs> I've watched them all on Netflix. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I definitely spend a lot of time thinking about it. So yeah, I'm sure it 
Doctor Zeus to some degree. <laughs> I remember watching the Scientology one on on Netflix. Oh yeah, I think I, the Louis Theroux one or the the. No, it was was it? Well, which one is the going clear? Going clear, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That wasn't Louis Theroux, but that was a great one. Yeah. Oh man, I did. Whenever I watched it, I think I was back when I used to live in Spain, and I remember I was supposed to meet someone, and I just started watching this. I was like, I'll watch this for ten minutes or whatever. I just couldn't. I, it was one doc. I couldn't stop. I actually yeah. finished the documentary standing up. Oh my god! I was in shock. Going what? It was going clear. Going clear. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it's just called going clear. Um, um, yeah. Oh man, some of the stuff in that it just it actually blew my mind. It's it's pretty bad shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Californian. It's like it's so LA as well, isn't it? It's just like where else could Scientology? take root to that degree. Yeah. My first knowledge of Scientology was when I was living in San Francisco. I was there for like a couple was of months, it? J1, and uh, I was live. I was working in a, a restaurant called Roca Accor on like uh, the business district area. And uh, I was walking was it by, called? it's called Roca Accor, it's a Japanese, like how did Japanese you, what are you doing working in a Japanese <laughs> restaurant? <laughs> I, was the, I was the host, uh, I was the okay. host. Um, it was nice. Sounds time. great. But uh, I was walking home one day and some guy is like, he goes, oh, what's happening? You know, oh, we have a we have um, a video going on inside. If you want to come in and have a look, and I'm just like, you know, San Francisco. I'm like, oh, it's probably loads of arts stuff and all that. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. I'll have a look. And I walk in, and it's like literally Scientology. And I'm just like, mm, okay, I think I should leave this, but I'm not going to leave like running and screaming. I'm just going to look around, and go like, yeah, okay, have a nice day. I'll uh, never be back. <laughs> so, so they just snuck me in. I'm like, how did I get in here? How did I get in front of this material? Uh-huh. Yeah. Plus I was too poor to be a Scientologist. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Still going. Still um, going. I run this little Facebook group for uh, kind of meeting people in Dublin. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm an administrator of it. And, you know, I, I, try, not, I try not to let like kind of spam or advertising for or whatever um through to the page it's just kind of if people want to post up like listen i just moved to dublin if anyone wants to meet up for a beer let me know I, that's the sort of stuff that, the idea of the group um and then someone posted recently it's like oh, i'm going to this talk if anybody wants to come um and i have enough experience with it now i was like oh, i'm just going to check out what this talk is <laughs> and sure enough it was a scientology talk yeah, Whoa! Sneaky, yeah, yeah, sneaky. Yeah, yeah. So it's still there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm still going strong. Um, definitely. But yeah, those those documentaries. You said you're you're big into the podcasts. Mm. Um, any in particular that? Oh you God, I have to share. My, I've been listening to a podcast. Um, <laughs> whew, I, you know, actually, I've been listening to a great one. I just started it yesterday. Uh, I also I've been I've, I, I've been on tour for the last month, so I've just been sort of devouring podcasts mm. on the drives. Mm. Um. But the, I've been in, yeah, listening to West Cork. I haven't listened to it. I've heard it's very good. It's pretty excellent. Yeah, I've heard of it now. I haven't, I haven't okay. To it well, this conversation's falling flat. Yeah, I'll just tell you, it's no, amazing. No, no. <laughs> I've heard of it, uh, and I've see, actually seen uh, the Netflix thing on that. Yeah. I've heard plenty of stories about it. I know the kind of yeah. the gist of the story. There's a guy who, who I went to college with who lives in um, Denmark now, uh-huh. but he grew up in Clonakilty. Okay. So it would have been. Yeah, he used to say he often would see him in the pub, you know. Sure. It's kind of like everybody knew, but... West Cork's a really interesting spot. Mm. Colin McCulty's great. But yeah, this was a really, yeah... It's I, about your man who gets involved in the murder that he puts himself into it, doesn't it? Well, he, did he murder... It was, it was, it's the, um, it's Sophie um, Tuscan de Plantier. Yeah. Yeah. So you're... And 
Yeah, so I am kind of one of those people who know the story from just mm. people talking about it, never actually uh, dived into it. So from what I know is that he either did it or implanted himself into the story. Yeah, it seems to like there's a lot of, a lot of uh, circumstantial evidence that points to him for sure. The guards also fucked. Yeah, they really hard. Job there now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's one of those things. You're like, I, I feel like he probably did. <laughs> it, it would be. It's hard. I there's no other explanation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's definitely a bad egg. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's definitely bad. It doesn't make him a murderer, but there's also a lot of evidence that points to him, or circumstantial evidence, whatever they call it. Um. Anyway, I would recommend. You don't want to be done for slander around here. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Do you want to hear a? Uh, a story of uh, this is years ago um, and I, I went on a, on a first date with a girl and she asked me um, what podcast are you listening to at the moment? I was like or do you like podcasts I was like yeah I love podcasts um, and I was listening to kind of a couple of nerdy ones mm-hmm. and then uh, a couple of sports ones I was like sure. okay, she's not going to be into love that sports. so I was like well, which one are and I was listening to one other podcast uh-huh. so I said I can't remember what it's called Um but basically, right, the, the podcast it was about, um, oh fuck, what was it called? Um, anyway, um, the idea of the podcast is there was this guy who, it's a, like an investigation into this guy who was caught for online pedophilia and stuff like that, right? So the the whole podcast is investigating how he gets caught. Okay. And everything that happens to catch him. Okay, got you. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even now, it's it's a strange one to explain. And she, asked, and she asked, and she asked me, which podcast are you listening to? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I'm listening to one, and it's like, and she's like, what's it about? It's like, it's about a pedophile. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, oh, okay. Now my wife. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, yeah. Um, the podcast away. stuff I'd stay away from the pedophile <laughs> actually I, I was at a comedy set last night and there was Were a you? lot of pedophile jokes a lot I was, was, it, it was I'm really glad you said jokes, jokes at the end of that uh, uh, yeah yeah, but, yeah I heard I heard a bunch too and like shocking in fact I actually saw a crowd turn on a comedian oh, oh yeah yeah because she was telling too many pedophile jokes too many like, yeah good or bad pedophile jokes you know they weren't the wittiest mm. it was fine but I think people were offended and that can happen, but I've never seen an audience actually just sort of like. Do you remember? It was like there was like an amazing moment where people were like looking around at each other. That like, was the one, that was the circle sessions one. We were both. At. You were there, yeah, man. man. Absolutely, <laughs> it was the craziest, most awkward thing ever. Like oh. he, he came and comes out with a gate, gate like hard with the pedophile jokes. Yeah, and he did. You were there. Like, whoa, whoa, what the what the hell is going on? And Irish guy, Irish guy, but he yeah. seemed like he was kind of jovial. He didn't obviously. It was just jokes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He, was, he was kind of jovial about it. And then your one starts absolutely roaring at him. And uh, yeah, I think he was. She, I, I yeah, there was a moment. So there was definitely a moment that was, and then, then people started piping up around the room. Mm. We're that's trying not, to defuse okay. it, and then there was something at the back. Oh, it was a really, oh, it was a really intense. strange situation. I was. You think I, that I was, was his set, or you think he was testing how far I can push this, or which one new is jokes. the best joke? It was definitely new jokes. It was definitely new jokes. <laughs> they just all happened to be from the same category. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe he should have uh, oh, thought about that. So, but like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Even if there were new jokes, you got to ease it in. You have to ease it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He came in pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I also think, yeah. Can't, yeah, I don't know. 
that's uh comedy is such a that's also in such a fine art of like what's cool and what's not you know i was like i was i was really upset when chris smith uh, will smith hit chris rock you know it was like mm. that was a it's a scary moment to be a comedian. Yeah. You're getting yourself exactly. on national yeah. TV doing your job. You know? It's like, that's a dangerous precedent too. So, yeah. it's, yeah, comedy's in a weird, I'm, I'm really glad I'm not a comedian. In fact, I don't even want to talk about it because it's such a weird, <laughs> it's such a you know, hot button issue yeah. of what comedians can say and what they can right now. To be honest, even forgetting all of that, for me, is, is we've had a few comedians on the show um, and I will actually have another one on, I think, on next week. To just to just stand up and say a joke that you wrote. It's not something that you've like heard on the radio and repeating. It's literally something that you wrote and think is funny. Yeah. Um for I think that just takes a tremendous amount of bravery. Um and even more so in like obviously for a new comedian, you're gonna be in a small room. There's probably not gonna be that many people there. Yeah. Um that even is even harder for me. You know, mm. the intensity of just four people looking exactly. at exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then you're there with a microphone. And it's like this is weird. Why do I have a microphone? There's four people here, you know. And then it, there's a distance, but then there's intimacy. And then you have to learn how to like you as a teacher. Like we used, well, I used to be a teacher. You still are a teacher. Like you have to deal to manage those types of things in a classroom. But it's totally different because you've clear content to teach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but. It's, you know, it can be, you can go ad lib, you can kind of improvise if you're a comedian. I don't know. It takes a lot of bravery. The, um, yeah, it's been interesting. I've been thinking about it a lot too, just with the, like playing solo acoustic guitar, um, stage banter. Like, I think that's like something that's like can often, that's such a golden opportunity. I was listening to this guy in the car there. His name's John Craigie. He's got a live album and his, his stage banter is almost as good as his songs, you know, yeah. it's like, it's amazingly well worked. But you kind of realize, like, actually doing music, you do have this amazing opportunity between tuning songs to really engage your audience. And, um, yeah, I think I'm definitely... My plan this month is to spend a bunch of time at stand-up comedy gigs and sort of just feel out and to see if people... Learn. Learn a little bit, yeah, because it's a a really... If you can can get that part of the set feeling good, it doesn't even really matter if your songs are good. You can have people captivated completely. Yeah, yeah. You know, um... Yeah, so it's a really, really important part of the process. And I, I hate it when songwriters go up and don't say anything. It's just like, get up, get over yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I went yeah. to two gigs this year, uh, or they're big gigs. Um, uh-huh. And I'd been looking forward to because they've been cancelled over the past few years. So I'd really been looking forward to them for a while. Uh-huh. So one was Michael Kiwanuka. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Amazing. He played in Trinity. Um, I love his music, but he, he had no uh, I, don't, I don't want to be critical but like any, any, he didn't say anything between songs he, the only thing he said which he said about five times was alright Dublin <laughs> and like every three songs that's all he would say yeah then I went to see Duran Jones and the Indications a few weeks ago um, and the stage presence that those guys had were was unbelievable yeah like just in terms of again that charisma but um than just the interaction with the crowd. I mean, and it does take it to the next level. It takes it, and you can get away with it. Dylan said like five words at the show, yeah. the three arena the other night. But he's Dylan; he can do whatever he wants. But yeah, yeah. I think that um, it can really elevate a show to a whole new level. Um, yeah, if if that if that's there and it's really executed. especially in those more intimate 
um, gigs. Mm-hmm. Like when I say intimate, I mean like even something like the Academy or even um, uh, Vicar Street. Street. People want to laugh and feel together, and pe- pe- people come. People don't just. I don't know. For me, anyway, I when I see a folk show, I don't want to just be serenaded with beauty. I want to feel connected to the person who's performing, and I want to laugh, and I want to. Humanize yourself. You want to humanize everybody in the room, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best gig I ever went to for that kind of interaction, I went to Wolfpack in in Vicker Street. Do you know Wolfpack? I don't know that, I don't know. Uh, These these guys are, um, Joe Dart is the bass player, Corey Wong is rhythm guitar. um, Okay. Just amazing. They're kind of one of these kind of funk, poppy, comedy unbelievable bass okay. uh, bands but their uh-huh. but their connection with the crowd is second to none they have a live show one from Dublin they have a live video one from Dublin and then they do a whole live Madison Square Garden but wow. they put they, they put the um, the stage as a room like a bedroom type thing so you feel like it's almost you're in Madison Square Garden but it's also really close and intimate and they're kind of jumping around talking they're very unbelievable oh wow okay both pack send me a link absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. so good come here Um, how's Dublin treating you it's been great yeah it's been really nice yeah yeah I've like as I said earlier I had some really good old friends who sort of just like have really made it a really soft landing Mm. which just sort of introduced me to a wide array of other soon to be lovely nice Dublin friends you know yeah um yeah, I have. I can't imagine what it must be like moving to a city and not knowing anyone. I really feel for people doing that. It's a tough, mm. it's a tough thing. I think I've been very fortunate to feel like I'm in a new place, but um, I'm immediately surrounded by people. You know, is the is the music scene uh, enabling you to to get to know more people uh, to get make new friends? Yeah, I think that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Every almost uh, the house I'm living in is like all musicians. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. So neighbors would be happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all folk musicians. It's not so okay, bad. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagining this like musical. Where everyone's like singing what they want to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's an intentional oh God, house. It's an intentional <laughs> yeah. musical house. Fuck, get me back to New York. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, ah, sure. So every, everybody's everybody's uh, yeah musicians and friends or musicians and bandmates come in so yeah it's been it's been a it's been a really rich six months i guess it's been six months now april sounds better do you plan on on sticking around or yeah it's the plan yeah 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 Yeah, i got my passport sorted out so i'm all i'm all set yeah yeah (laughs) figure out how to make some money while i'm here too (laughs) yeah Yeah. what part of dublin are you living in uh stony bar oh nice yeah 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 Stony Bar is great. What neighborhood? Yeah, it's so nice. Everything's you know you can walk into town and the lighthouse theater is right down the road. Mm. Yeah, there's a um, there's a cool market. I don't know if you've been to the Zeitgeist Market. I have. It's yeah. great. Yeah, every Sundays. Yeah, where or every last Sundays or something. Second Sunday. Yeah. So it's on this weekend. Is it on this weekend? Is it? So that way it would be the second Sunday uh, okay. of, of the month. Okay. Um, I got to know because uh, my girlfriend has a she has a little stall at it. Um, or oh, gazebo great um, she does second hand clothes or vintage clothing oh um, I'm sure I've like, gone through her stall curly hair okay uh, Spanish girl okay okay um, um, Agite they're called I'm sure yeah if, oh, you, okay. if you've gone to that market then you would have seen I've been it. a few times yeah it's, it's, it's good fun it's really nice um, and the guys that run it are really really nice people yeah um, but it's it's a really nice uh, the kind of way to spend a Sunday and, and when I help her out sometimes doing the market 
um, you can see that there's a nice community feel to, to Stony Batter and Smithfield kind of area. It's yeah. just a nice way of kind of getting to know each other. There was a Stony Batter dog sh- contest. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no. That was unreal. It was like the highlight of the summer. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, <laughs> Lovely wagged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the outfits were outrageous. But it, just, it was just like, oh, this, this is such, there's so many young families with dogs. Like, I don't know. It was just like a, that was really nice to see everybody out on the streets, you know. Mm. Enjoying some local food and stuff. Yeah, it's great. I got lucky with that house for sure. If you had any kind of recommendations of of places to check out, or whether it's Ooh. a bar, a, a park, a bench, a bench, uh, I'm trying to think. You know that this place does need no more shout outs. But I'm going to give it one. Uh, Grano. Have you been to Grano? I'm just telling you about it. Um, I've heard about it. I've never been. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah. It's a pasta spot. Okay. It's yeah. like uh, maybe it's maybe Michelin runner up or something. Wow. Okay. Um but you know, I think it's like it's like 12, it's 18, 17 something for a main. It's not it's not bad. It's not bad at all, you know, but no. the quality is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's take it's a book of tables like two and a half weeks in advance, you know? Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like, it's just a treat. Me yeah. and my mum went there a couple month ago we were just like <laughs> Yeah. Good pasta. Good pasta ter- tiramisu as well. Um, you got to go all out. Yeah, yeah, you got to go all out. Yeah, I was in Italy earlier on the summer for Take the first your girl. time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh man, if you just have, I had like this bowl of pasta, and it was after a long hike, and it was very, you know, you look at the like initially, and you're like, that's not enough food, um, because you know in Italy they don't give you like the ma- they give you a proper portion of like what it should be pasta, and it was like pasta with pesto. And it was just very simple, but the tastiest thing yeah. you'll ever eat in your that's life. That's it. Sim- quality ingredients mm. and exactly. just simple food. That's all it is. Yeah. That's what yeah. Grano is. It's people just, who know what they're doing. People who know what they're doing. And it's like just a few things going on and it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. What about any um, anything that you've kind of maybe been a bit disappointed by uh, mm. since you've come here? Maybe not including accommodation or the weather or things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love accommodation. That's a good question. Uh, what have I been disappointed in? Hmm. You know, Dublin was not. Dublin was kind of a lot. Was, was a new city. I I spent a lot of time here, so I felt like I was. I kind of knew what I was getting myself in for. I'm trying yeah. to think if there was something that's like. Um. But do you know what? Kind of public transportation kind of sucks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's two in a row. Is it? Yeah. Mark said that a couple of weeks ago Did he? as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, but. But it's know, true though. But you know, it, it, but you know, it's such a cyclable. I jump on the bike. Damn yeah, yeah, I'm just cycling everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good. No, it's been great. The quality of life in Dublin is really, really sound. I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think fingers crossed it stays that way. I'm getting a little bit worried about all these kind of tech jobs that are being lost and all the people that are going to come out of of these things. Hopefully, it's just a a little blip and but, it'll keep going. Yeah, yeah. Fine. But we rely on that massively, huge amount. Yeah. Like. Not a lot of other things are going fantastically well, but those multinationals, whatever people might say, uh, I mean, the they're like happening. dragging us along. They're like, we're going forward, and you're you guys are coming with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's just, yeah, yeah. So that makes a huge difference to our economy. Um, so I'm uh, I'm hoping that not too many of those people get laid off. Yeah. Um, so if you, I don't know if you've been walking past the studio here, you'll see the the meta offices here. Oh, is that it? The meta offices are right here. Are they? Huge. Is are they? there? Is yeah. it? It's kind of like... Out that window. Outside there. Oh. We came by it. I did see them. Yeah. Those big glass ones. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's all one one company. Like in the past, you'd think like that would be like multiple companies in that's there. That's one. Yeah, yeah, that's all just meta. 
Uh, <laughs> and it's there. They have multiple offices in Dublin, and that's just one of their offices in Dublin. Okay. And the, the yeah. Twitter thing, though, the the fact that they left, that's kind of extenuating circumstances. Very much uh, came out of. Did Twitter have an office block in Dublin as well? Uh, they had their yeah. offices in Dublin, and then Musk went and said, "Do you know what? We're going to get rid of half a year or something." Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so. Meta laid off thirteen percent of their workforce. Did they? Yesterday. Yesterday, uh, some of them got laid off yesterday. Right yeah, news. yeah. Why? Uh, now I think it's a, a bit of an easier layoff. Uh, having spoken to someone who knows someone, it's like uh, you're working until the end of the month. We'll give you four months' pay mm. uh, as compensation. Um, but yeah, you're gone. Um, Is that what reasons are they given that for? Uh, Zuckerberg said that he projected better growth, and he said it was his fault, and we haven't grown as much as I thought we would, and for that reason, we need to make some cuts. So it's thirteen percent, I think, if I'm getting that number right, worldwide, and which also refers to thirteen percent of the workforce. Because Ireland has, I think, outside of the US, it's the largest um, employer employer base that they have. Okay, thirteen percent of them are gone. So big, uh, so quite a lot of people. Yeah, it will be quite a, it'll be yeah, substantial amounts of people. Okay, I didn't hear any of that. Yeah. So yeah, let's see. I I, I I totally agree that Dublin at the moment is a nice place to be. It's a great vibe, especially even walking around. Um, yesterday I walked into the city, and it has that little bit of a Christmassy feel yeah. again. You know, <laughs> when, there's I don't know if it's just inside me, but there's that everybody has a little bit of excitement. I think when the when it gets a bit darker. It's like you can slip into a pub without anybody really noticing. <laughs> you, you know, you're just like, oh, it's five o'clock, but I'm gonna go to the pub get the stack. Hot whiskies will be on soon, I think. Yeah, it's getting a bit chilly as well. So. <laughs> How do we check out your music? Oh, I'm online on Spotify and all the regular places. Give us your handle. Lorcan O'Reilly, L O R K I N, O'Reilly. Yeah, that's on that's Instagram. Then yeah, Spotify. Any gigs coming up from uh, for Dublin? Um, no, not Dublin. I'm playing in Belfast on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's. I think that might be the last show of the year, and then there'll be some more things happening. Uh, next year, mm-hmm. spring, but yet to be announced or you know confirmed, but in the pipeline. But yeah, hopefully cool. something in Dublin happening. Keep us posted. I came came to come play music in Ireland. I keep on going to the UK. So next year I'm going to try and rectify that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really appreciate your time and coming for do, to do this. Oh yeah, thanks. Thank it's you for uh, putting up with us while we try and sort out our microphones oh, at, the, <laughs> at the beginning of it. We got there. Um, but yeah, really appreciate you coming and doing it. And um, hopefully we'll get to chat again. Yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Sometime soon. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Russ. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And yeah, talk to you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.